0: And welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I'm going to get to the interview conversation really quickly with Madeline Tabaldi. She's a yoga teacher here in Los Angeles, over at Sweat Yoga, downtown LA, and at, um, oh yeah, at Hot Eight in Koreatown. So I met her actually, we met maybe like four or five months ago at an audition for Y7 and we had a mutual friend and we've become friends and she's really cool and I'm stoked that she came on the show and she's actually a real life yoga teacher. She's not doing like five or six other things like a lot of the teachers out here in Los Angeles. She's a full time yoga instructor. So we obviously talk a lot about yoga and social media and sort of how she got into teaching out here in LA. And yeah, I I just I'm stoked that she made it on the show and I hope you dig this week's episode. Um, as always just remember it's really important for me to get the word out about the show more and more people are listening it's picking up some cool energy and some steam so definitely share it let people know about it or write a review on itunes Um, coming up i have troy akers he's a singer-songwriter in nashville Vitas paskowskis he's a yoga teacher uh, here in la david garza singer-songwriter Yeah, just some great things happening. And if you have no idea what the downward facing spiritual spiral means, it's basically what happens when the culture around us basically is not talking anymore, is merely texting all day, sending DMs all day, watching television all day. I feel like the world basically wants us to stare at our phones and stop talking and basically just text, DM, watch Netflix all day. And It may not seem like that's a big deal, but our culture is lacking depth, lacking compassion. People don't know how to communicate or listen anymore, so I created the podcast to talk about this and to bring on people that I think are interesting and to just bring the art of conversation back into our lives because, let's face it, that's really... The the ideal way that we get to know each other through experience and through talking to one another and listening and hearing about what other people are up to and it's just a great way to connect and I thought and in in, I thought uh, by having people on the show it would get people to talk more and find out about all these cool people that are in my life whether it be musicians, artists, yoga teachers, um, yeah. So that's really the very quickly, the, the Cliff Note version of, of, of why I evolved or why I developed the podcast. So again, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I got a lot of amazing guests that have come on the show in the past. I've got a lot of amazing guests coming up. So again, Madeline Tabaldi, yoga teacher here in Los Angeles. And as always, thank you so much for your support and listening to the show. Nellie, what are you doing? Madeline, do you prefer Maddie or Madeline?
1: I'm non committal, yeah. I usually go by Maddie okay. in like classes and life, but yeah. Madeline is fine okay. formally, too.
0: Well, welcome to the, uh, I already forgot the name of my show, <laughs> the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thank you. The cats are in the studio. They
1: are. Um, we'll see how this
0: goes. <laughs> okay. But maybe, I think they want to be part of the show. Today. I'll try and not get too distracted. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, awesome. that's, that's the point of the show, actually. <laughs> To deal with all the distractions that we're dealing with. So when I asked you to come on the show, what, what were you thinking?
1: I mean, I was really excited. I've honestly, yeah, I, I know about your podcast, um, my first time on a podcast. So today's the first so, time. yeah.
0: Okay, you've got a great voice.
1: Thank you. you know, has
0: anyone ever told you that before?
1: You know, it's weird. I feel like I've always felt... You know, I think like we all do kind of self-conscious of my voice because it's been quite deep. Like, I think I feel like I've had this voice since I was three years old. So I guess I've kind of grown into it.
0: Yeah. I can just tell people get freaked out when they hear their voice through headphones and then right away. I I can just tell pretty quickly. Yeah. And then I always suggest, you know, why don't you take the headphones off because it just instantly relaxes them. It's just when they hear their voice in their head, they just clam up a little yeah, bit <laughs> but i could just yeah. tell just you're just sort of talking and it's no big deal and yeah. i actually thought that you were an actor yeah you're...
1: i'm i'm not an actor yeah okay. i've gotten it's funny like since i moved to la especially teach a yoga i feel like i get that question a lot well because every
0: yoga teacher out here is also an right actor. right
1: it's <laughs> yeah it is pretty pretty common but yeah. no yeah i'm not i'm not an actor um yeah i I don't know that I could deal with that level of scrutiny and, yeah. you know, it's, it's a tough road. So I, yeah, yoga is pretty much, you know, my, my main kind of passion project, cool. I would say.
0: Okay. Meanwhile, this cat is <laughs> yeah, going he is insane. Like <laughs> I told you he needs tons of attention. Leo, you're going to have to go. Come on. That's it.
1: Sorry, Leo. He's not used to having his attention divided. It's <laughs> just
0: yeah, I've spoiled we've spoiled the hell out of them. It's crazy. <laughs> You're from New York, Brooklyn.
1: Um I'm from Manhattan, actually. You're from Manhattan, yeah. okay.
0: And yeah. why did you end up coming out to Los Angeles?
1: Yeah, it's that's another question I feel like I always struggle to answer. I, I
0: <laughs> Well, you've yeah, got a perfect chance now. Yeah,
1: I I don't See, I don't even know if I myself know the answer, yeah. but... Um, well, when, how, long I, did, how long have you been out here? I've been here now almost a year. I moved out here last summer. I had been living in Sydney, Australia before that okay. for a little over a year. You know, I'm from New York. I love New York, but I also kind of hate New York. So I always... Growing up, I feel like I knew that I didn't kind of want to stay there long term as an adult. Okay. Um, so I ended up... I went to college in Houston and Texas, which was an interesting experience, then came back to New York for a bit, was working a full-time job, kind of decided it was not the road for me. Right. And then I was like, you know what? I want to move somewhere. So I decided to go to Australia for a year. And then eventually I just kind of felt like it was time to come back to the U.S. and L.A. seemed like kind of a good middle ground between, like, hectic, crazy, freezing cold New York and, right. like, super laid-back, like, surfer vibes city. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I had... Growing up, my dad worked in the film industry, so we were moving around a lot. We spent a little bit of time in L.A. My brother had lived out here for about six years, so it seemed kind of like the logical place for me to go, and I'd sure. always spent a lot of time here but never lived here and I was like, yeah, I was like, I wanna I wanna do this. So yeah. it was just kind of a bit of a whim, but that's just kind of how I've lived my life in sure. the past few yeah. years.
0: So you're you're a yoga teacher. Yeah. You teach at Sweat and Hot Eight?
1: Yeah, I teach at Sweat at Hot Eight and then a little studio in Eagle Rock called Madre. Okay. And now a studio in Glendale called Sink. Okay. So a bit all over the place, yeah.
0: So Instagram yoga I mean what's if there's so many things um, so many avenues I could go but first of all what's it like teaching in Los Angeles and did you teach yoga before you came out here
1: I did my teacher training about three and a half years ago um in Thailand actually oh, wow. I like had just finished school I actually graduated early kind of because I knew I wanted to do this training in Thailand so I did that training um then I ended up When I moved back to New York, I taught in New York for about a year. And then I was teaching full-time when I was living in Sydney. So I was doing like 13 to 15 classes a week, you know, like it it was a lot easier. They're like sole source of income. I was like, wow, I'm like really making this work. And yeah, that was really great. So I feel like living in Sydney, I kind of decided, I was like, yeah, like this is really what I want to pursue just because I... I, I don't know, I felt like I got a lot out of teaching and I'd never felt like I actually really enjoy my job. Not like my job isn't work because it is work, but Uh it's like fulfilling work. And I feel like, I don't know, I, for me, even if I feel like crap, like going to teach, I always feel better and like not in a fake way and like a really real way. Um, so,
0: well, I, I, Yeah, no, I was thinking yesterday I taught two classes and I had a gig Friday night till uh, really late. And then we had a wedding Saturday, so I was late then. And then I right. taught two classes yesterday and I I just didn't have the energy. Yeah. I wasn't quite there. But um, afterwards, I felt incredible. Yeah. Now there's something about you don't even have to take the class. You can just teach the class. And there is this energy transference that definitely happens when you're in a room making people feel better.
1: Totally. it's Even if it's like I'm encouraging people to kind of be more aware of their breath, I have to kind of do that myself in yeah. order to get into that space. You know, I feel like when I I can kind of turn off the side of myself when I'm teaching, which is really nice to be able. It doesn't feel like i become a different person. It just I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's actually... Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's like, I always feel like I'm trying to create a space where other people can, you know, just kind of make themselves feel better or feel empowered. And as a result, you know, I'm always some there's some days I'm really not in the mood to teach as I'm sure you can relate to. And I'm always like, once you do it, you're actually going to feel better. And I actually usually feel pretty energized. So Yeah. yeah, I feel lucky about that.
0: Tell me about the Thailand thing. Uh, how did that come about? And you took it, what, like a 200, 300 hour teacher training there? Or? It was
1: a 200 hour. Um, actually, the summer before I had gotten a grant through my university to go to Berlin, which it was a pretty chill grant. So I had a lot of time to just be hanging around Berlin. And I found this yoga studio actually in, in a Buddhist temple. Like I was just kind of looking for English yoga in Berlin. I started going to... To these classes at this Buddhist temple, I met this teacher, Anya, and I just like loved her style and her vibe. And like after one of the classes one day, she was talking about how she was doing a teacher training in February in Thailand because they had previously done like a long form training in Berlin, but they were doing like a condensed five week training in this town called Pai, which is Mm -hmm. like a few hours north of Chiang Mai. And so, yeah, a couple months later, I just kind of decided, I, I like went back to school and then I decided I that I was going to, you know, finish a semester early because why pay more money to hang out on a college campus? Instead, right. I was like, I'm going to put the money towards my training. So it just, I guess the stars just kind of aligned in well, a bit of a random way.
0: What was it about, did you say Anya? Yeah. What was it about, like, why did you go to her class? And then what was it about her class that... Um, Because everybody has such a personal reaction to teachers, and I'll like there's teachers that I love, and I'll invite a friend to go with me, and they're they're sort of like yeah, whatever. It's just such a personal thing. So what what about her? um, Not only did you enjoy, but actually inspired you to go to Thailand to further your education.
1: Yeah, I think. You know, some for me, with teachers that I love, it, it's hard to describe. It's like an energetic vibe that I just... That's part of it, at least. Sure. I really have to vibe with someone's energy. Um, and like you said... Well, actually, something interesting that Anya said in our training was you're never going to be a teacher for everybody. And that's really mm-hmm. stuck with me because there's amazing teachers out there who I recognize are amazing teachers, but I might just not resonate with their energy you know or their style so even the best teachers not everyone is going to love them and that's something that stuck with me because it's you know as a teacher I feel like I'm always trying to please people and make sure everyone has a positive experience and everyone feels supported and encouraged and also challenged and sometimes I'm like you know not everyone is going to resonate with you and in a way it's kind of it takes a bit of the pressure off to be this like ideal of perfection because even teachers with thousands of hours of training, not everyone's going to love their class. Yeah. Um, but back to your initial question, I think, yeah, she just had a very kind of calming presence. Her style is a bit more, um, a bit less physically intense than what I have been teaching in the past few years due to the kinds of studios I've been teaching in and the kind of like further training I've done right um, but it was very breath centered very meditation centered and just felt very kind of like this is real yoga kind of in its essence yeah
0: what's the experience you know what's your experience been like I mean when you did you didn't come out to l a specifically to teach or was that because you were already doing it you figured it would be a place to Keep doing that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Essentially, Had you yeah. known
0: anything about the vibe out here with yoga teachers in the world? Did you really know anything um, about it? or
1: I knew a bit about it when I had spent some time out here. I mainly spent time on the west side and now I live on the east side. So I didn't know much about kind of the east side yoga studio vibe, but I'd been to a few studios in Santa Monica and Venice sure. and kind of knew a bit about that vibe, but I... Yeah, I guess I wasn't quite ready for the, for the craziness that it is, to what, be honest. What,
0: what is the craziness for you?
1: I mean, you know, it's just the world of auditioning. Yeah. And, you know, like like I said, like I'm not an actor for a lot of reasons, but sometimes as a yoga teacher, I feel like I might as well be an actor because I'm just auditioning. And, you know, I mean, I, I get that studios have to find a way to figure out who's a good fit. I just don't know that having ten people in a room all doing the same sequence for two to three minutes is actually a way to figure that out. Because truthfully, even I remember that day and that audition. Like I had no idea whose class I would even want to take. You know, I, yeah. I for me, I need at least ten minutes, and I need to have a sequence that the teachers develop. Like I think there's ways you can figure it out. If I were the person, like if I were the hiring manager, I'd be like, I have no idea what to do because I would have I would struggle to really figure out who, you know, whose whose class do I resonate with. Right. Um yeah, I guess some, and it's it's tough. It's like because you're trying to be your genuine self that you would be as a teacher, but then there's all this pressure. Your heart's racing. Like I feel like I'm in an audition because it is an audition. It is. So.
0: I'm terrible. I've been. I I think I've I've been successful at one of them. I, they're yeah. they're nerve wracking.
1: Yeah, I've been successful at one. That was like a big audition right. like that. But it was also one that we got to make up our own sequence. So right. I was like the first one, and I started with a warm up, and I felt really comfortable with that, and I just kind of. You know, so it was a little more like I was teaching a real class. My very, the very first studio I ever taught at had an audition like that in New York. And I ended up getting that and I was like petrified. So sometimes it works out, but it's some, I feel like it's a bit of a crapshoot for me, you know, and I'm like, I don't even know if I did well, you know, because I don't even know how I would describe that if my voice was shaking if my cues were off because everyone makes an off cue or two or mixes up right and left in a class even amazing teachers it's like that doesn't make you a good or a bad teacher but when you have three minutes that's probably what you're going to be part of what you're going to be critiqued on
0: yeah did you audition at hot eight
1: yeah that was the first audition I did and
0: that obviously went well because you are teaching there now
1: yeah I'm I cover a lot in K-Town I've it's yeah it's been now now that I've been subbing there it takes kind of a while to get permanent classes over there and yeah I was offered some permanent classes which I now can't do those times anymore so hopefully eventually I'll get some permanent classes over there because it's it's nice it's a very established studio it's so it's kind of bigger class sizes that I'm used to but it's I kind of enjoy that sometimes. It's nice to have a lot of energy in the room and students are really nice there, so Yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying that. I def I wasn't actually trained teaching in or practicing in the heat basically ever until I moved to Sydney. Right. And I was teaching almost all at heated studios there, so I kind of had to adapt um So now I'm kind of neutral about it. I used to be like, I would never practice in the heat or I could have never seen myself teaching in the heat. But now it's just kind of, you know, I've just kind of adapted.
0: Right, right. If the heat wasn't there the classes are actually there's it's really not hard yeah it's not hard like i'm like
1: am i sweating because i'm in a 110 degree room or am i sweating because i really exerted my body and and sometimes i I don't know i'm like did did i teach a challenging class or not it's hard to tell and i
0: remember taking bianca at hot eight all the time and then i took her at yoga works and it was the same class and it was in heat at yoga works and it, it just i barely broke a sweat interesting and it was the same class wow so i just was thinking gosh if if the heat wasn't there i guess this is my point you know you're holding warrior two for say 30 seconds Mm -hmm. it feels hard because it's so hot but if you hold held 30 second warrior two you're actually not doing anything for your body because in yeah. those 30 seconds it's not like you're going to build more flexibility or strength just by holding warrior 2 for 30 seconds. Yeah. So i i don't know. I but but then you think it's so hard because it's 105 degrees in the room.
1: Yeah. Even just child's pose feels hard honestly. Yeah. So yeah. 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 What's
0: how did you get to sweat?
1: Um Sweat, yeah. I actually, I'm trying to think. Actually, I saw that they were having an audition for their Westlake Village studio. Yeah, like on Instagram. I
0: think I saw an ad for that.
1: Yeah, I I saw it somewhere and I was like, okay, I'm never, I would not, I live in Los Feliz and I hate driving. So I would, that just would not be an option for me. I was teaching in Santa Monica when I first moved here and it's just, I was like, Westlake is too far. Yeah. But so I emailed and I was like, hey, I live on the east side, but if there's ever opportunities in your downtown studio, um, you know, let me know. And then Tom connected me with the uh, studio director in Little Tokyo, which is the downtown studio. And then I took a class with her. We chatted. We vibed. And, um, you know, there were no kind of immediate openings at the time, but she kind of, did, it's a very specific style that they teach. Oh, over I, there.
0: I I worked with one of the managers oh. in Santa Monica for a while, and ultimately we just I, we came to the conclusion I, mutually. I just I couldn't deal with it anymore. They were they were criticizing, and I I don't want to say too much, but to me the silliest of things, mm-hmm. and it and it just was so aggravating, and I couldn't deal with it anymore. So I know what you're I, yeah. I know what you're talking about, but clearly you were either doing it better or getting getting into a zone where they obviously were responding to the way you're doing it.
1: I mean, I've had to adapt a lot teaching yeah. there and the way that I teach there, there. There's a lot of training, which I appreciate. It wasn't just like they threw me into the class after like one little audition. Like I did kind of a, a demo mm-hmm. um, with the studio director and then we probably worked like three or four hours together like once a week. I would kind of finesse the not only... Um, the, you know, the flows, but the music too. Like the music is such an important part of that studio. So that's, you know, I feel like I'm like a part-time DJ, even though I'm definitely not qualified, but it's it's fun. But it's also like, it takes me over an hour to make a really good playlist, I find. But yeah, it's, I've had to adapt the way that I teach a lot. And sometimes I struggle with that because there's some things I've had to adapt that actually, you know like to do differently in other classes. So then sometimes I feel like I'm teaching somewhere else and I have to kind of turn on a different part of my teaching brain. So, you know, I've had to learn to teach very different ways in different studios. Like this, I teach a kind of restorative class at the studio Madre in Eagle Rock, which is like, you know, little flow, but like very mellow, very, you know, I do some, I also do Reiki. So like I try and put some of that in there and- It's just a very different way from how I teach at sweat. Even in an energetic class, I try and really bring in some of the calm. Because I think everybody needs that, whether you know it or not. Everyone needs a little more calm, a little more ease in their life. I think
0: so, yeah. You know,
1: even like people are in chair pose, it's like, well, what can you let go of here? Because we have so much tension in our daily lives. Right. Yoga should be a place to try and minimize that, even if you're super sweaty and getting a great workout.
0: Um, Have you noticed... A difference from, like, the West Side vibe and the downtown downtown vibe? Like, what was it like um, teaching in Santa Monica as opposed to teaching downtown?
1: Well, I wasn't teaching at Sweat in Santa Monica. I was teaching... It was a studio called Fav Yoga, which sadly closed, which is why okay. I, I ended up not teaching on the West Side anymore, which kind of ended up being good because the commute was just kind of insane for one yeah. class a week. But... um I really enjoyed it over there. And it was kind of nice, you know, it was nice to get over to that side of town. It definitely, LA is so different, you know, based on the neighborhood that you're in, honestly. But yeah, that studio wasn't heated. It was kind of more traditional, a bit more like do your own thing, which was nice. Um, French owners who ended up, they like left and moved back to France, which is why they sold the studio. And then I think uh, Santa Monica Yo- no, the Venice yoga collective, right. I think bought the space and yes. it, they now have expanded into that space.
0: Okay. Yeah. I read um, that.
1: But it's a very yoga heavy area. I mean, there was Brian cast power yoga, which mm-hmm. I know closed now. Yeah, Shockingly, was uh-huh. like a, across the street. Yeah. Um, so it's, and then there was bhakti yoga shala. So it's very like very saturated right. with yoga. I had gone, I've been to yoga works, um, the main street one. Sure a couple times, more in the past few years before I
0: had lived here. Um, so yoga is like, that's that's your main world. That's, you know, I'm saying that because I feel like every yoga teacher I talk to or know, they're doing other stuff on the side, something creative, and that your yeah, passion is, is yoga. I mean,
1: for the most part, yeah. You know, I definitely, yeah, I think I... It's it's kind of my main. I would say yeah, it's my main kind of creative project because I for me it does feel pretty creative. Yeah. Um, like I also do some writing um, for backstage, even though I'm not an actor. Right. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that, but they know I'm not an actor. Yeah. But, uh, what do you
0: like? What do you mean? You do writing for them?
1: So they have like a magazine portion. Okay. Um, so basically, I'm I'm doing a lot of their LA content because they're I have they are all kind of a New York based office. They're Brooklyn based. So. Right. I, I've done kind of some neighborhood guides geared towards actors, you know, affordable, relatively affordable L.A. <laughs> neighborhoods yeah. and kind of um, culture for actors. And then I've done some pieces on, like, finding agents in L.A. Um, so it's been, like, a lot of research on my part, too. But, like, I kind of grew up in a bit of a film industry family.
0: Right. So... Um, what do you mean? Like, how so?
1: So my dad is a director um okay. so
0: your dad's actually steven's filmer yes <laughs> he,
1: he um he will back in the 90s um when I was, the <laughs> he made very small indie films okay. but okay. um he was doing features so we were kind of on film sets for months and then okay. he did a lot of post in la so we were kind of and then he's italian so we lived in italy for a bit when he was doing a film in rome so we were kind of always shuffling around. Like my home base was always New York, but, um, yeah, we were always shuffling. And now my brother is a director as well. Um, and now I've started to work with him doing some producing on some of his projects. So, and my mom used to work in casting. So I'm like, somehow we're all intertwined in the industry somehow, but I can't believe
0: that you didn't get the bug of any sort.
1: I've always, like, I'm, I've always been interested in movies. I love to go see good movies. You know, I'm interested. I don't know that I would... I mean, I don't ever want to count anything out, but I don't know that I have enough of that creative juice to, like, direct a film yeah. and technical knowledge. And it's, like, really tough. You know, like, my brother, he always wanted to be out here and kind of pursue that. And my dad is the same. Like, yeah. his films are, like, his projects are kind of everything for him. So, yeah. um. But, yeah, I think I've always been someone who I just kind of needed something creative. I was always really, like, studious and kind of nerdy as a kid, honestly. (laughs) Um, But I did work a full-time job for a while. I worked in baseball marketing for the Mets, which was, like, cool because I grew up loving the Mets. But I quickly realized I was like, I cannot work in sports because I just... Even (laughs) in marketing, which is, like, somewhat creative. And, you know, we did work in social media, too. Right. I just felt like the corporate world is not for me. And I kind of have to do something more kind of independent and, and creative. Sure.
0: Do you feel pressure that because you're a yoga teacher, you have to be a specific way all the time? Um...
1: Somewhat, And it's lessening. It's funny. I kind of was having a conversation about this with Ray Uh the other day. And yeah, I think I used to feel it more. But here in LA, I actually feel it less because I've met a lot of yoga teachers who just seem like real people, who are real people. Like you, like Ray. Like you've got other things going on too. And it doesn't always have to be like, you know... Super hippie, everything, and super passive, and really, you know, because I'm, I think I've yoga has kind of softened aspects of my personality, but yeah. like I do curse out. I don't curse in the yoga studio. Oh, I, I do. No, I, I mean some, and some teachers <laughs> no, do, do and it doesn't bother me. But yeah. I just don't. I could never cur- I just it, it's just like not a word that's in my vocabulary when I'm teaching yeah, but I outside agree with in the real world I mean I curse a lot and I always have like right. I got kicked out of my preschool for calling someone a bitch <laughs> so like I that's always been me like I just you know I express myself that way sometimes yeah. but Yeah I think actually that's been one thing that's been kind of refreshing here in LA is I don't necessarily, Um, maybe somewhat on social media, but I think in life, I think in Sydney I felt a little bit that way, like a lot of the yoga teachers I knew, like, you know, and I I do like my acai bowls and vegan food, like I'm not going to lie, I do have a lot of those stereotypes, you know, of my personality, but yeah I guess i'm I'm feeling it a little less here like I'm feeling more freedom to just kind of be myself and and I think that's also like sometimes students think of yoga teachers as like, oh you know they they never you know they never drink or they never do things that are you know and I'm like there's a lot of great things in the yoga sutras, but I don't think any of us are following that hundred percent right. we're not monks, most of us yeah. so um I found that refreshing,
0: yeah. I have issues with yoga teachers um, always – let me backtrack. If something's bothering me, a, a yogi would say, well, that's just your yoga. Mm-hmm. And that kind of – and that's sort of, to me, like cop out in the yeah. sense that, no, it, if somebody's actually doing – if somebody cuts me off or if somebody um, smells bad in yoga class – or if somebody, like, brings the same yogi toes to class without washing it. Mm-hmm. Or somebody's yoga mat is so old that it stinks so bad <laughs> because they just don't think that, oh, after three years, I should replace this yoga mat because it stinks. It's not that person being disrespectful. It's my, it's me and my, my yoga, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of – I think it's just bullshit. Right. Uh, it's To me, it basically is sort of saying – Oh, people can just do whatever the hell they want, and if it bothers you, oh, it's your problem. It's not theirs. I just I I think that's I don't like that. I think that's bullshit. I mean, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's yeah, I've never really thought about that exact aspect of it. Yeah. Um But yeah, I guess I think it's important as a person, like, you know, we all have our boundaries and I think, you know, you have to stand up for yourself too and kind of and not let people walk all over you, you know, and especially as yoga teacher, sometimes you know, I feel like it, it can be hard to put my foot down sometimes, but no, I know. I don't know.
0: Well, that's the thing. I think sometimes as a yoga teacher, we it's it's a precarious it's a precarious right. position because And I don't
1: call I don't think I've ever called somebody out in class for something. And I've had yoga teachers who like they get pissed off when someone's phone goes off. And I'm like my way of thinking of it with phones at least, is like if their phone goes off, I'm not even going to call attention to it because that's just even more distracting for everybody. Or like people being late. And I know I've had this conversation with other teachers. I don't mind if people are late because for me, if I'm already in a bad mood or like having a bad day and I'm five minutes late to class because of some terrible traffic and I can't find a parking spot and then I don't get into class, then I'm like, this has been a terrible day. You know, like it can really have that effect on people because I know like... I've been there and so I don't care when people come in. Like yeah, I mean me sometimes people are really loud and I'm kinda like, okay, like could you try and be a little bit quieter? But I just don't say anything because I am a, I don't know, for me it's like there's so many rude people in the world. I want people to feel supported and I don't know, I've never had an incident where like someone had some like disgusting socks or like something <laughs> that other I guess I might wait for other people to complain yeah. because it's just yeah, I, I've never had an incident where I've had to confront someone, but I think there's times where I could have. Where I'm just like, I'm right. gonna just let that go because I don't want anyone to have a reason to dislike me. And maybe I'm too much of a people pleaser in that way. Yeah, but yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm not a hard ass at all with right. that kind of stuff.
0: I have you haven't posted on Instagram for a while. Yeah, what's so going on? What's going on? Actually, so
1: I'm on it. Hiatus, right? You're on Instagram I hiatus. Lo- yeah, I haven't logged into Instagram in almost two weeks, which why? is
0: why
1: I've kind of, I don't know, I've been in a bit of a rut the past few months, just like feeling really negative and like just not feeling that good. And I was like, what are some things that I could do to like make my life a little bit better right now? And I was like, well, I don't think Instagram's making my life any better
0: Interesting. Um,
1: at this particular moment. And I just was like, I'm not deleting it or anything. Because, you know, as, as I'm sure you're aware, not that I can't, but I feel like it actually has been a useful tool for me in many ways. But I think breaks are so good. And I hadn't taken a social media break, honestly, since I was in high school. And that was yeah. really before I even had a smartphone. Like, that was just when I had Facebook and I deleted Facebook for a year and I felt so much better. Like, in a lot of ways and...
0: Well, what have you noticed from being off of it?
1: Well, I'm on my phone so much less. Like, it takes forever for my battery to go down (laughs) now. And I just realized... Every time I'm looking at my phone, I'm instantly clicking on the Instagram app. And I'm like, why? I'm like, you've already seen everything you need to see for the day. All I'm doing is looking at what other people are doing and looking at stories and then feeling like, oh, and I even the past few weeks, I've thought of times where I would have storied something because the past year, I haven't been quite as active in terms of like my picture post. I, I probably story more. And I'm like, well, I'm not storing it. I'm just, like, here. I'm not taking a picture of my food. I'm not taking a picture of the beach. I'm not taking a picture of this pool or these people I'm with. I'm just with – and it's kind of been nice. Yeah. Um. And I'm, I, I don't think it's going to be permanent for me, but it's definitely – you know, but then weird stuff happens. Like, a friend of mine from middle school texted me, did you see a, a really – a formerly really close friend of mine from high school got married and I was like well no I didn't see because I'm on not on Instagram or Facebook so like yeah. I'd be like I'm gonna log back on and like who knows what I'm gonna see you know because it's like I've missed like two or three weeks but I don't know I kind of like being off the grid for a little bit yeah. um and I've just noticed it's just nice to be on my phone less and I think I'm less in this kind of comparative mindset where I'm like, oh, well, these people are doing this and like I'm at home. I'm like, no, I'm making the choice to just be at home tonight and I don't need to be thinking about what I could be doing. I'm just doing what I'm doing.
0: Why is it that that is such a natural reaction to Instagram? It it instantly goes to that comparison place and I don't know why. And I don't think it's an insecurity thing. I think it's just this natural... For whatever reason, that platform gets you to think about what you should be doing. I don't don't know.
1: Yeah, because other people, it's kind of your way to like curate your life. And I look back on my Instagram, and it is kind of my curated life. I'm like, oh, look at all the beautiful places I've been and the beaches I've swam at and all these great things. And and some people, refreshingly, I find, do kind of use Instagram to curate the not-so-great parts of their life. But that's kind of rare. Um, So I think it... Yeah, I don't know. It's like I'm not, you know, when I was like in high school on Facebook, I would just feel left out of all the parties I wasn't invited to. So it's not like that. And then I just find it's mindless. Even more than like I get into a negative mindset, I'm like on my explore page of people I don't even follow. And I'm like, why am I looking at this? Like, Or why am I looking at these like ideals of physical perfection that I don't even agree with? You know, why am I... Because then with the Explore page, you don't really even have control over your content. Like a friend of mine was like, just delete everyone that whose content triggers you in any way. And I was like, damn, you're right. I was yeah. like, why would I have people on my feed whose contents makes me feel bad in any way? Because it's like, it's my curated, what I want to be seeing. But then with the Explore page, mm. you don't even have control over that. So... You're just like inundated with more stuff.
0: Do you feel guilty about unfollowing somebody though after you've um, been with like following them for a couple of years?
1: A little bit. Yeah, yeah I've I do. felt that way
0: too, and I feel like a child. But I, I, I do
1: feel guilty, and I don't. I probably there's probably like 50 more people that I should unfollow <laughs> that I haven't, and I don't know why. I just don't pull the trigger and do yeah. it. Probably because I'm like worried to offend people. But I know now there's like the mute feature. I think which is just kind of weird because I'm like. That's kind of for this purpose. It like is, you would, the yes. person wouldn't know that you unfollowed them.
0: So, wait, I didn't even know that existed. You can actually mute people? Apparently. Oh, I'm going to have to heard, look at that. I think
1: it might be new that you can mute them. But I guess the advantage is if they were private, you could still look at their profile when you wanted to. But okay. it wouldn't show up on your news feed. So, I guess that's, like, a more polite <laughs> way to do things. Like, I've unfollowed people on Facebook, you know. Yeah. Especially who's, like, with political stuff. I was like, I can't. I don't want to see this. It's, like, freaking me out. Yeah. So, I'm just, like, going to unfollow but I'm not gonna like I don't ever delete people as friends on Facebook honestly because to me Facebook is like most people aren't posting it's not Twitter and it's not Instagram so for me it's become more of a way to connect with people through messenger people whose numbers I don't have people who I know from Australia or from Italy or it's just more of a way to connect or concerts events it's less of like oh or it's like articles posting, like Facebook isn't really triggering for me anymore. But Instagram can be.
0: Do you feel like you have to post daily reminders on how people should live their life? Or do you feel like you should be posting, you know, upside down acrobatic stuff? I mean, that's the thing. I, I just think it's interesting that somehow it became the norm where yoga teachers need to be the the voice of reason or the voice of 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 how people should live their life and and the irony is a lot of them their lives are all fucked up but they but they love to sort of seem like they have everything put together and the perfect place to do that is on instagram and um i just i think this whole idea of curation is damaging but you know back to you do you feel like you have to um that you should be doing that kind of stuff
1: Sometimes I feel that pressure, you know? And when I look back on, you know, the past couple years of posting, it is a lot of me and dancers pose on the beach (laughs) and like, you know, with like my class schedule. Um, But I've always been like, and I feel this way in my classes too, like with Dharma talks or just with anything like kind of like that. It's like, if I have something poignant to say, I'll say it, but otherwise don't say it. Yeah, I guess my Instagram tends to be more of like, now it's been useful like I'll post my schedule and I'll have like friends in LA hit me up and be like can I come to this class as your guest and I'm like sure and it's kind of a way to bring people in so there have been actually people like friends or acquaintances who have hit me up on DMs or I think you even hit me up on Mm -hmm. DMs I'm like what if who knows like someone could be trying to slide into my Instagram DMs and I don't even know I mean probably not but you never know like I've had people reach out like friends of friends who are visiting la and we're like they reach, you know like it's almost become like a facebook messenger too so yeah, definitely there are useful things that can come from it and i've seen people use their instagrams to you know to to put out a really good message but i struggle with it for sure
0: yeah Do you talk on the phone?
1: Funny. Someone was just asking me about this last night and I, yeah, I have like a few friends that I talk to on the phone, but we'll usually text and I'll be like, hey, can I call you tonight? Sometimes someone will just randomly call me and we'll talk for like an hour, but I really like that. Yeah. I was just
0: curious, like when I reached out to you, you know, on Instagram and then we started texting, um... I'm just curious, like, I'm curious about the way you communicate now. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you, um, and it's interesting. I was listening to a um, a talk, and I'm going to talk about it on another podcast, but I didn't want to bring it up. I mean, Instagram, I was listening to the CEO or or the CEO of Instagram, and they talk about their messaging mm -hmm. and their video now. You know, I can call you via, I can actually video chat, you know, on Instagram. Instagram I didn't realize it, but it's a new thing. But they actually, it was so interesting. They refer to their methods of communication as conversations. And I just found that so, they're they're like, like to me, they're not conversations. Right. They're, you know, a conversation is when, you know what we're doing now you hear the other person you don't necessarily have to be in the same room with them Mm -hmm. you could be on the phone and having a conversation but I just think that They're doing whatever they can to get people to stay on their platform. Yeah. And then now actually have, quote unquote, and it's so funny. They'll talk to them like, yeah, we want to do what we can to have people having more conversations Mm -hmm. on our platform. But those aren't conversations. Yeah. So I just was curious, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And then how do you communicate? Do you talk much to people or do you primarily text and? Um I don't know, I just think it's interesting. I think the way that we communicate is is shifting so dramatically
1: yeah, no that's that's really interesting. I think I definitely In terms of, like, organizing my life, like, when I'm just like, hey, do you want to hang out and go for a hike or take this class and have coffee, I almost exclusively text. I can't think of the last time I've... Because people never answer their phones, the thing. I know. Ever. I I mean, I never answer my phone because it's always on silent. I never have my phone ringer on. So, Hmm. um, mainly because I don't want it to go off in class. I just always keep it off. But, yeah, I... I think for me phone calls are more like I'm catching up with a friend who doesn't live in LA or I'm calling my mom that's really what I use my phone or my brother and he lives in LA and we talk on the phone a lot but yeah it's more like close friends not to make plans just more to like talk about life and like update people on life rather than like making plans for me it's I don't even know if it's easier to do via text. It's probably just easier to pick up the phone and just, like, make a plan. But for whatever reason, it just – I just default to text with that.
0: Do you feel um, that there's a lot lost in translation sometimes because you text a lot? Or is it not an issue um, for you? you
1: Sometimes. Like, when I'm trying to have an important – and I have friends – college friends who like to have really deep conversations over text and it's really hard
0: for me yeah
1: yeah my my best friend from college he just likes to Give me paragraphs, and then I, you know, he just prefers to text. Then I'll just be like, "Look, can I call you? Because like I, this is taking hours, and like let's just talk, you know." And, but do you it's remember so what he did?
0: You end up talking to him?
1: Yeah, but <laughs> this is like a this has been happening for years. Yeah. This is just and even in college, this is how we how he likes to communicate. And some people are more like that, you know, where they'll just be on because now you can text on your computer. And I think since I message right. moved to the computer, you can you can write essays through text. And, you know, I prefer to talk on the phone, but I think also sometimes people, like, they're working on one window and they're just typing in the other. It goes back to, like, our multitasking thing yeah. and the ability that we always, we don't like to have our attention focused on one thing. It's the same with movies now. Netflix, people have Netflix open on one window, but they're not really watching the movie. It's like, you're kind of talking to someone, but you're taking a lot of breaks. It's like, to dedicate time on the phone is, like, a big thing for most people. You have to, like, schedule a Skype call, you know? It's like... Yeah. I kind of missed the days of like, you know, in high school or middle school, I just like pick up my landline and call my friends for like two hours, even though I was going to see them the next day. And we just kind of talked. And that was like a normal thing. It wasn't like a planned conversation. Sometimes, I'm, as you probably remember, I'm not the best. I I've become not even great at replying to my texts. There's like less of a time urgency with texting. Right.
0: But you're actually, that's an interesting point. I think even more with, with younger people, I think they think of a phone call as something must be wrong. Mm-hmm. As opposed yeah. to, the, oh, this person just like wants to like know how I'm doing or wants to engage.
1: Yeah, I have a few friends who they might just call out of the blue. But for most people, it's a little, I'm like, whoa, someone called me at just... Seems like they must need me right now. They must have a question they need answered right now. Because usually, I just text more. Um, yeah, yeah. It just it's becoming more of like an antiquated way of communicating because there's so many other platforms to communicate. And then I think even just texting is. You know, if I I feel like if I didn't have social media, I might. You know, I feel like I know what's going on in everyone's life, but I haven't actually had a conversation with them face to face and you know, you could think someone's, you know, living their best life, whatever that means. And maybe they're not, maybe they're feeling, maybe they're having a rough time, but it just looks like that on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. So I think for me, sometimes I feel like I know what's going on in someone's life, but then if I actually pick up the phone and talk to them, I realize I actually have no idea what's going on.
0: You know, about my podcast and what I talk about, I, I just, I think, and as a yoga teacher, I think it's important for us to get people connected with themselves and what's really, what's with what's really going on. And I think, you know, we do have all these distractions and then we talk about, you know, I, I talk about texting, um, all these things that really are getting us away from what's really going on. Yeah. You know, I think there's real depth to conversation. I think there's real depth to experiencing without feeling as though you have to share the experience yeah. with everybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think this is important stuff to think about and talk about. And I just, I think as a yoga teacher, you, you I mean, for me, I I try to get people more connected to their own thoughts. And I certainly yeah. don't bring up Instagram in class. Mm-hmm. But I think the, it's important to just not have the phone and be be there with the good thoughts and the bad and and deal with it instead of becoming distracted. As a yoga teacher, what are you trying to bring into a room and bring what are you trying to connect what are you trying to get people to connect to or with?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think, you know, a lot of things. I think awareness, like you said, awareness, and that's something I've been thinking more about recently is this idea of meditation feels so unattainable to a lot of people because it's like I have to clear my mind of thought and more and more I'm talking about like that's not really what meditation is for most of us because sometimes it's very hard to clear your mind of thought and just having awareness of your thoughts having awareness like you said the good the bad the positive the negative trying to recenter your mind on the present using the breath I you know my classes are There's always a lot of focus on breathing because when I take a class when there's no focus on breathing, you know, even I start to forget to breathe. I start to forget to stay present and breathing is something we do all the time, but most of us are not aware of it. We're not aware of that. We're not, you know, you're not, you know, that we're breathing all the way up here in the rib cage, that we're not breathing deep. And I feel like I breathe so much slower now and it's really nice and I take that into you know when i'm running or at soul cycle or whatever so i think just having that awareness of the breath is something that i like to incorporate and yeah awareness awareness of the self awareness of the thoughts because i'm like they're going to happen and you know a lot of times they happen you've been flowing the whole class and then you get into pigeon pose and you're like and now i'm thinking about what i'm making for dinner or i'm thinking about you know at my breakup or whatever happened it right. all comes back at least for me when the body is still having that moment even if it doesn't shut off where we can just observe it and like try and find just like a little bit of space between the thoughts, even if it's two seconds, you right. had a moment of like peace and that's powerful. It and is. The idea is like maybe sometimes we can extend that. And sometimes I have a practice where I felt that way for 30 minutes and it's amazing. And some days it's not like that. Yeah. But
0: What you just said about yoga, I mean, that is why people originally and for thousands of years did yoga. Yeah. ultimately for the last 10 minutes of class or to actually meditate for hours. Mm-hmm. And I think there's irresponsibility. And I get that Instagram is just a visual platform. I understand that. But when yoga teachers are doing nothing but showing extreme upside down, one-handed poses, never any clothes on. It's I mean I get that sexuality is there and I get that that's what the platform is. There's become too much obsession with the physical looks and that isn't what yoga is. And so yeah, should a yoga teacher not use Instagram? No, not necessarily. that's extreme. but I when I see the extreme, the upside down, the obvious sexuality of it always presented from yeah. specific people. It, to me, I get what they're doing, but they're naive to think that that's not affecting the future path of yoga.
1: Yeah, no, I really and it's agree a, with all It's of that. okay if you don't agree. No, I, I I do. And sometimes I feel like I post a photo and I'm like... Because I never want something I post to be like triggering to someone or be like, oh, look at her or... Like, you know, but it, it's hard. It's like everyone's triggered by lots of different things. But, yeah, I think it's like we already have from, you know, the modeling industry, this whole ideal of perfection and all of that. But, you know, some people ask me, oh, you must be really good at yoga. And I'm like, oh, well, I like, still can't do a forearm stand. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Does that mean I'm not good at yoga? I mean... I see a lot of people who maybe were former gymnasts and their whole yoga, you know, their whole Instagram is just them, different ways to get in and out of a forearm stand into a handstand and do into a full wheel. I mean, is that yoga? I mean, that's different yoga postures, but that's like gymnastics. That's like, you have, you know, the skills of a contortionist, amazing, good for you. I don't have those skills. I still struggle with a lot of inversions or still poses that I haven't mastered. And I don't think that that makes me any better or worse of a yogi and I think even when I was starting my training I had some confidence issues a because I was really young I was 21 when I did my training and I also felt like I can't do some of these poses right. how can I be a teacher if I can't do some of these poses yeah and you know I realized I'm like We just, I'm like, it doesn't, even if you can't do a headstand or a form stand, that doesn't mean that you can't be an amazing teacher. There's teachers who, one of my teachers was telling me that she knew a teacher who was in a wheelchair, so Hmm. he couldn't do anything physically you know you couldn't do any of the poses physically but you don't need to demo everything and also you don't need to teach everything and I've started now as after three years of teaching to incorporate more poses that I personally don't like because a lot you know that's as I say the pose you often need the most is the one that you don't like but you have a lot of freedom as a teacher and I don't think that your ability to contort your body defines you know maybe that would make you a good gymnast but like we're not gymnasts and I think it's problematic especially when i'm trying to encourage men to go to yoga like a lot of my guy friends are like oh i can never do that like i can't even touch my toes and i'm like well you probably could touch your toes if you (laughs) bent your knees your lower back would feel so much better and it is probably a little bit more uncomfortable at first if you have very limited flexibility but it builds and i think this pretzel contortion instagram thing can actually discourage a lot of people who feel like they could never do that from even walking into
0: the door do you feel like there's more anxiety in your room or <laughs> are, are people more like freaked out and anxious are you know are you noticing sort of a shift in your classes at all the people that come there or is there is there more obsession with phones or more i don't know yeah, what I mean- do you notice
1: I don't know, it's also shifted a lot because I've taught in, like, three different cities now, so the vibe has been quite different. How
0: is the vibe in LA, then, different from, like, other places?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sydney was very laid back, and in New York, I taught in Bushwick, which, as far as New York goes, is, like, super hipster and, like, laid back and chill, so... LA, I feel like there is a little bit... Sydney was also very fitness obsessed, though, I will say. You know, you walk around Bondi Beach and you're like, everyone has a six-pack and is like super ripped and it's like a little scary sometimes right. just to like be a normal person walking around, <laughs> but... um I I really like to talk to my students, get to know my students. I'm very talkative, yeah. especially after class. Like, for me, that's a really important thing. Is totally. And I find that not as much as I would like here, that teachers, like, introduce themselves or ask my name. Like, I always like to know who people are. And, like, if they want to chat, I love to chat with people and just get to know them. But I found people to be, like, my students to be really for the most part, really nice and down to earth. You know, I always worry about, especially in LA, you know, people are going to be, the music's too loud or like, you know, because I've gone to studios in New York where I'm from on the Upper West Side and people don't put your foot near my face. And I'm like, well, there's no room for anyone's mat. And I'm five foot 11. So it's kind of hard, but I've had people be really like vicious to me, even just as a student. So I think I'm always worried about (laughs) that. (laughs) With students here, but I I don't know. I've had, like, really good experiences with people, and I genuinely, like, enjoy getting to know people. Um, Yeah, I've never had someone, like, take their phone into – maybe once or twice. In Sydney, I had someone who was, like, texting in a yin class, and it was driving me insane. That goes back to your earlier question. Yeah, And I was like, what should I do? Because it's so, like – I don't know. It just feels so weird for me to call somebody out in a yoga class. Yeah. But I was like, how are you texting any in class? But I just don't think she'd ever done yoga before and like right. understood. And well, I kind of just let it go. I, you know, I
0: think this weird reaction though, to Instagram and social media, it makes people feel as though they can do whatever they want. Yeah. And I mean, like the woman next to me, this is a, a year ago. Um, she had her iPhone, not iPhone. I watch and she's, I'm taking class, and she's the mat next to me, and she's literally looking at her like I watch texting, texting, and it keeps lighting. And I said something to her, and she th- gave me attitude. And I just ultimately moved and went somewhere else. But the problem was the room was freaking packed, and right. I it was barely. I just, I, the idea that you think that that's okay, but then I'm the asshole for saying something.
1: I'm more sad for them because like this is your chance to disconnect. Like Yin is your time to like be in that pose for five or ten minutes and right. you're using the time to text you know but some people like it's really a lot to just be in your own mind you know and and and, and yeah. i and i resonate with that like it's tough
0: so i'm curious you know why did you get into yoga how did was there something going on did somebody suggest that you should you should try a class or you know do you remember what uh drew you to yoga to begin to begin with
1: Yeah, well, I was only 10, so I, yeah, I. I think I was even too young for the class, but my somebody mom... stole your
0: dolls or something. Yeah, no. Well,
1: <laughs> it was a very tough time. Yeah,
0: I that you were playing with dolls at ten. Yeah, but I had
1: I had a Neopets um, massacre <laughs> happen. That was my obsession back then. Somebody um, stole
0: my makeup ideas. <laughs> I had to get into the class. Sorry. Right. Back
1: in fifth grade, yeah, <laughs> I was honestly, yeah, I was a bit of a stressed out kid. I like, just was, you know, I. But I was 10. My mom signed my brother and wait, I up. Wait,
0: hold on. What were you, like, I'm not stressed. trying to. Yeah, I'm just curious.
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, living in New York City, that's kind of part of why I didn't, I knew I didn't want to live there as an adult. It it's is stressful like, to live it's, there, it's, you right? you know, and I was also, like, I started going around alone when I was 10, like, taking the public bus to and from school, and it's just, like... Running for the bus, running for this. I, I always had, like, sleep issues as a kid. Like, I couldn't sleep. I just had a bit of an anxious tendency.
0: I, I think New York, I love visiting. Yeah. But it is sort of an intense place.
1: It's very intense. And did you
0: feel... So you obviously were responding to that.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if I'd lived in a small rural town somewhere how I would have been. I have no idea. Right, But,
0: but, um, but clearly there was... For whatever reason you were feeling.
1: I didn't. Yeah. I think the the hectic urban life was stressful for me. I mean,
0: regardless.
1: Yeah. My mom had practiced yoga a long time. I, I was, I danced for a long time starting from like eight until like the end of high school. So that was, I was really involved in that and like really liked that but it was also you know ballet is so much discipline and, and so hard on your body and you're doing things that really aren't good for your body and like forcing yourself to right. stay very thin and it's, so you, you were know.
0: you were in that world also
1: yeah so but i did yoga i think it was a sunday night class a teen class i think i was too young but there was like three people in the class so they didn't care It was at a studio called b yoga on the upper west side which is now no longer but it was a nice studio um yeah was, we, i was a i it was like, great. I loved it. And I would look forward to Sunday Mm. nights. And it was great. Um, And then I continued to practice. I had a great teacher, um, really through my mom, she would take me to these classes with her. And it just helped me through a lot of shit, honestly, like in high school, like it was, I'm so glad that I had that. And it wasn't in everyday practice when I was that age. But it was you know, at least once a week I had that. And it just felt like, oh, after dance, it was just this t- chance where I could, like, it didn't feel so much, like, pressure on this physical result. And I also yeah. I needed it for my mind. I think that's where I came to it. I was like, I need this outlet for my mind because it, like, won't stop racing. And I yeah. just, just to relax, you know, because we all, maybe some people don't need it as much. But, like, I've become way, I think, more of a chilled out person since i've really developed like an everyday practice and it's since it's become like my career um but i don't think it's like naturally a part of me i've had to like work to get to that point
0: i just i i worry that people don't know how to communicate anymore and maybe our attention spans are shorter it's like i think i want to end the podcast though by asking just like speaking of attention span just so what What would you tell people about your experiments with, you know, getting off social media and and how, why would you suggest people should do that? And how has it really changed your um, life over the last few weeks?
1: Yeah, I would definitely recommend it basically for anybody, even if you know, things are smooth sailing and, um, you don't feel like it's having those kinds of effects on you that I was mentioning. It's just an interesting experiment. That being said, I've always been somebody who like, I like to just deprive myself of things for a few weeks and see how I do. And then I'm like, do I even want that? You know, like I've always been someone who does that. Um, so like, this isn't really out of left field for me, but I think it's just interesting to see what else are we even on our phones for you know Mm. like what how much of my time is this taking and if it's and then if you realize oh I have all this extra time well how can we just like be more conscious of it I think it all goes back to being conscious of it being conscious of how much you're on Instagram and Instagram it is kind of mindless and we do it as a bit of an escape but it's not even like we're going to the movies or like actively watching a Netflix show we're just kind of kind of just wasting time. And there's lots of ways you can waste time. Some are better than others, I think. And I think Instagram is, there's a lot of amazing things that can happen from Instagram and a lot of content I've seen that's really powerful. So I don't mean to demonize it completely. But I think if you get to the point where you're like, I'm spending way too many hours on this app, just like give it up for a few weeks. And I haven't introduced it back yet. So I can't speak to that, but I'm hoping I'll be a little more conscious of it. When I get back on, it's like a vortex. You know, you yes. get into it and then you're like, I can't get out. Yes. And it's like, no, no, just get out of here. Yes, app. you
0: have to get out of there as quick. It's like that Star Wars scene where they're in the garbage disposal and it's just like, do you remember that? Did you see I Star actually, Wars?
1: I actually, I literally watched Star Wars for the first time this week. So oh, that's hysterical. I didn't know. No, but there's that know.
0: scene. Well, there's that scene where like Han, Solo, and Luke Skywalker, they're all like in this huge garbage disposal. And this monster comes in, and they're like, anyway. So it does feel that way, though. Like, clearly, you're not getting the reference, which I understand. But I'm, but I'm, I'm trying but, yeah. to
1: visualize it. It's, yeah,
0: it's just sort of like this this rabbit hole of it's a garbage disposal that you're just you can't. You're dying to get out of. If you're not careful, you're just yeah. going to be stuck in there, and it's just yeah. It's
1: just not yeah. It's just not good to feel stuck in anything either. It's like I want to use it as a tool, and I think I have used it as a tool, but I think breaks. In, yeah a lot of things are really good. It's like, it's good to just, and I'm also like, maybe I'll have things I need to attend to, whatever that means when I get back to Instagram. But I'm like, my life basically hasn't changed. I just, normally it's like, I see someone, I'm like, oh, I saw you were here and here. And now it's like, I don't know. They have to actually just catch me up on that. And it's kind of nice. It's just, I think it's an interest when you take something away, you realize all the ways in which it impacts your life and affects your interactions. So I think with yoga, we were talking about with awareness, when you remove something and then bring it back, it's just a way to be more aware of what that forum is bringing to your life. So I just think can't really do much negative. Yeah. Even if it's for three days.
0: Well, Madeline... (laughs) Tabaldi? baldy yes Am I saying Yeah. Tabaldi. okay <laughs> daughter of steven spielberg yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding um so you're teaching uh, well you're on instagram when you come back on, i will be back your, the next your, week or so what's your instagram handle um
1: it's maddie tibb m-a-d-d-y-t-i-b T-I-B.
0: so at maddie Tib. uh you're teaching at sweat yoga in koreatown
1: uh, sweat yeah, sweat yoga in downtown. Oh, okay, downtown. Yeah, hot 8 in
0: K town. Oh, there we go. Hot 8, K town, sweat downtown, and you can check her out at the schedule just at their websites. Well, I'm very impressed. You're like a you're like a real yoga teacher, <laughs> like unlike me where I'm part of like uh, I do it along with 25 other things. So that's that's your full time thing. Uh, well, Maddie, thanks. For talking on the show yeah, today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This was really fun. No, it was
0: cool. See, it's 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 actually fun having conversations yeah. with people, right? it, it is, it's, it it's, is. It's a trip, but it actually it's kind of cool. Um, downward-facing spiritual spiral, Madeline Tabaldi. Thanks again for talking today on the show. Thanks.